Good morning, Connection Church. You guys can do a little bit better than that. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Stephen. I always enjoy when we get an opportunity to dive into the Word together. Let us pray. God, as we get ready to dive into Scripture, I just ask that you open our hearts and open our minds. Allow us to receive your Word. And I ask God that as we hear your Word and we receive your Word, to allow us to be doers of your word, God, and not hearers only. And we'll be so careful to give you all praise, honor, and glory. And it is in Jesus' name we humbly pray. And everyone says, amen. amen. I need two minutes before we dive into the word today and what we're talking about today. How many of you, by show of hands, have seen the movie from Adam Sandler called Click? Just about everybody's raised their hand. Click was a movie about how we as people tend to put things on autopilot. In order to get through the work week, we put it on autopilot. The kids will get on our nerves, so we put it on autopilot. The tough thing about putting things on autopilot is a lot of times when we come to church, we forget to take it off autopilot. And what ends up happening is we keep it on autopilot and we come to church and we don't have an expectation of responding to the gospel. We will bring our notepads and we would take plenty of notes. We would sit in our seats and we would say, man, that's a good sermon, but that one was not for me. When we're on autopilot, we become blinded. And so before I dive in today, I'm just asking you guys, don't be on autopilot today. Don't be on autopilot today. I'm going to ask you two questions. These two questions are the most important questions that you would ever be asked. The first one, we can help you with. The second one is completely on you. The first question is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And we're going to talk about it here today. And the second question is, how will you respond to Jesus? For everyone that has their Bibles, turn to John chapter 8. We're going to start reading at verse number 12. John chapter 8, and we're going to start reading at verse number 12. As you guys are looking to find it, just a little point that I want you guys to, to know before diving in today. The most important thing you will ever hear about Jesus is what Jesus says about himself. John 8, verse number 12. And the word of God says, Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. If you underline in your Bible, please underline there. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. We're going to talk about these passages of scriptures in three different phases. This first phase, we're going to start at verse 12. We're going to go down to verse 18. Let's continue to read. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Verse 14, Jesus says, even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one, and if I do judge, my judgment is true, because it is not I alone who judge, but I 
and the Father who sent me. Verse 17 says, even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Let's back up to 12 again. We're going to read it again together. Jesus spoke to them, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What does that mean? Talking about the real Jesus, and what does it mean for him to be the light of life? Well, Genesis 1 says it like this, in the beginning, God, let there be light. John 1 says it like this, he's the light of mankind. Colossians 1 says it like this, he's the firstborn of all creation. Hebrews 1 says it like this, he's the representation of God. Jesus says, if you know me, you also know the Father. I'm going to pause right there, and there are some things in the Bible that I want to bring out when it's talking about who Jesus is and Jesus being God. The first point, Jesus is the light of the world. And what does that mean? I need you guys to help me with something, and, and this will go as quickly as you guys want it to. So if you want to get out of here quickly, I'm going to need a little interaction, all right? So you can say amen, you can wave your hand, whatever you, whatever you want to do. But I'm going to list some names, and if you can identify with Jesus for being that for you, Show some signs, okay? Everybody with me? Savior, Redeemer, Bread of Life, Lord, Creator, King of Kings, the Almighty, the Lamb of God, my rock, I am, the way, the truth, the life. People, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And also, another thing about Jesus being light, and this is the most difficult part about Jesus being light because it exposes our sin. I know I'm not going to get many, many, many amens on that, but it exposes our sin. Light exposes darkness. Darkness and light has nothing to do with each other. Let's read just a little bit. Let's read just a little bit. Let's go to verse 13. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. I always think of this when I read these few scriptures. We, even today, we allow people to be a witness for themselves, but when you're talking about God, the most important thing that you will ever learn about Jesus is what's in the Bible. We live in a culture today that sits away from the Bible. We're quick to say, what does Jesus mean to you? And if I ask someone that, nine times out of ten, we'll get a hundred different answers. But your answer for who Jesus is should come out of the Bible. Our ideas and our thoughts about Christ must be biblical. What you know about Jesus, is it biblical or is it something that you want him to be? Because what we do in our culture today, we'll look at Scripture and know Scripture is real and what the Word of God is real. And what we would do instead of believing it, we'll try to make Jesus something that he isn't. Our ideas and our thoughts have to be rooted in the Bible. Someone say Bible. Let's continue to read a little bit more. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true. 
because I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you don't know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I judge, my judgment is true because it is I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even, if you're, even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. If you're writing your notes, please write this down. The best thing to know about Jesus is what Jesus has to say about himself. As we get ready to go to part two, and as we're getting ready to read in Scripture, why is it in our culture today we are so quick to point out someone else's flaw? We're so quick to point out someone else's sin, but we for some reason can't identify with our own. Because of the sins of some other people and we choose to sin differently, we sometimes will point the finger at others. And we can become blinded by our own sins. Someone say blinded. Let's read, starting here at verse number 19. It says, then they asked him, where is your father? Where is your father? You, know, you neither know me or my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple. But no one sees him because his hour had not yet come. Why do we doubt and why are we blind? Doubt is a product of us not knowing who Jesus really is and not trusting him fully. When you really understand who Jesus is and you trust him fully, your faith is in him. But what happens is when we don't have complete faith in God, what tends to happen, we try to have faith in ourselves and that's when we fail. Doubt is the product of not truly understanding and knowing who Christ is is. There are a few people in the Bible that I would like to point out that they were blind. And these are the reasons that you can be blind. If you're writing your notes, write these down. You can be blinded by religion. You can be blinded by religion. We live in the Bible belt, so all of us know a bunch of things that we can do in order to feel good about ourselves. I told the nine o'clock crowd this morning, you came at nine, so you picked at the 11 because you guys were still in bed at 10. I paid my tithes today. I'm a good person. I know how to shake hands well. I'm a good person. I know scripture, so I'm a good person. I don't curse. We name all these things that we do or don't do to make us feel safe about where we are. And the only way to truly feel safe is if you have a real connection and a real relationship with Christ. In the book of Matthew, chapter 19, and we all know this story. It's a very familiar story. It's a rich ruler. And he asked Jesus, what do I have to do in order to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gave him the answer that he was looking for. But the first thing Jesus said, hey, keep these commandments. And this is what we do a lot of times in the Bible. I do this, I do that, I feel good about myself. And what happened was Jesus, okay, you did those things since you're you. Sell all you have and come and follow me. What happens when Jesus pulls a card? What happens when he says exactly what you don't want him to say? And we're blinded by, listen to this, sometimes we're blinded by religion, but sometimes we're also blinded by our own personal opinions and our preferences. What we want, 
how we want it to look. We can come into church some days and Andrew's singing a beautiful song. If that's not the tune that we don't want to hear, we may not clap. But I hate to say it, but we're not here to worship you. We're here to worship our own personal preferences and opinions. And we're blinded by our sin. We're blinded by our sin. I feel that Satan has so many people tricked. He allows people to feel safe where they are, even when they are not completely bought into Christ. There are so many people that straddle the fence, and when you straddle the fence for whatever reason, since I know that Jesus is real, I have a connection with him. It doesn't work that way. Even demons know that Jesus is real. What's the difference between you and a demon? If you just say Jesus is real, if you know that he's real and you know his word, do you follow? Do you follow? It's something that's a little more challenging. If you know Jesus to be real in your life and you consider yourself an ambassador for Christ, how many people are you leading to Christ? How many, how many people know Jesus because they know you? Our own preferences. Then we become blinded by our sin. I heard a preacher say this once and it kind of shook me to my core because I didn't believe it when he first said it. He said, some people love their sin way more than they love Jesus. Some people would rather have their sin than have Jesus. Kind of a dramatic pause right there. I'm going to let that sit for a second. There are so many people that would say, Jesus, I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to do what you want me to do, but I have these two things that I'm not ready to give to you. Because I'm comfortable in this sin, and the people around me, they're not going to call me out on it either, so I'm comfortable. God, you're so forgiving. Your grace is sufficient. God, I know that you love me, and I can ask for forgiveness, and the things that I struggle with, God, I'm actually going to hold on to it. And I know Romans chapter 6 says, should we continue in sin so that grace may abound or multiply? Absolutely not, is what the Scripture says, because how can he who have died to sin still live in it? That's why it's important for us to know the scriptures because Jesus has already beat that battle for us. He's already won that battle. We're not slaves to sin anymore. So we can't use that as an excuse. We can't say we have the case of I can't help it. Yes, you can if you're a Christian. If you're a Christ follower, you can because we're no longer a slave to sin. We're slaves to righteousness. Let's stop using that as an excuse. The blindness of man, doubt is a product of us not knowing and trusting God completely. We can become blinded by religion, just doing things, just to do them. No meaning, just doing them. You have to have a real relationship. We can be blinded by our personal opinions and our preferences. I think of these Jewish religious leaders right here that we're talking about in the Bible. People that are so smart, way smarter than me. They knew the law like the back of their hand, but couldn't recognize our Lord and Savior. He's right in front of them. Are we not that way today? They couldn't even recognize Jesus because they really didn't want Jesus. Sometimes when we come to church, we already have our minds made up whether we're going to respond or not. 
We have our minds made up. I don't care what that preacher says. I am okay and I'm safe. Oh, wow. He had, oh, great sermon today, preacher. I'm going to write some great notes, but when I leave out of here, I'm going to leave the same way I came, and that's not what church is about. When you step through those doors, you should have a mindset that's ready to receive the word, have an expectation of hearing something that's going to change your life forever. Church is about having an encounter with Christ. That's why we're here. But what happens is we so often, we're so tied to people that we come for people. You, I saw you at church today. Sometimes that's the only reason that some people come. So when we all go eat at Barbaritos, we can say, hey, saw you at church today. What you learn? Mm. Mm. Why are you here? Get into the meat and potatoes of this sermon. It's set up perfectly. You have individuals that, that are so intelligent, so smart, but miss it. Because that's not what they truly wanted. Do you truly want Jesus? Or are we going to be like the rich ruler? Or the woman at the well, we can be blinded. And if I'm being honest with you guys, we all have blind spots. And we have to die to our flesh daily. Are you willing to? Or are you okay and satisfied with being blind? Let's continue to read. Let's pick up at verse 21. Then he said to them again, I'm going away. You will look for me and you will die in your sin. Man, that seems harsh. You would die in your sin. Jesus couldn't be more clear. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said again, he won't kill himself, will he, since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. How many of you guys have teenagers? Anybody in here with teenagers? I need some advice from you guys if you have teenagers. Sometimes, I have, I have, I have a young high schooler, ninth grader. She's actually sitting in here right now, so, but... I think about this all the time. If I tell her, you know, you have to do this or make sure you handle that or this is the big one if you have a teenager. I need that phone over here on the counter at such and such time. It's like they're looking, she's looking at me, but she's not seeing me. And your parents ever, I see someone give me a thumbs up. I feel like that's how these Jews were with Jesus. Since he's not saying what they want to hear, they're not really listening. Are we going to listen today? The way out of sin. The way out of sin. Here's the meat and potatoes. Listen to this. Verse 23 says, You are from below, he told them. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Of this world. Listen to this. Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. Says it again. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. The way out of sin is to realize, number one, that you're in sin and that you need a savior. The toughest, the toughest individuals to help are the individuals that believe that they're okay. I'm going to read something to you guys from the book of Jonah. From the book of Jonah, chapter 3. A group of individuals got a really good message, and they decide to do something that we should all do when it comes to our sin. 
Let's see if our repentance is similar to what I'm getting ready to read here. Verse 6 says, when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree to Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from their evil ways, from their wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we would not perish. Listen to this. Verse 10 said, God saw their actions. God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not do so. The first thing, the way out of sin, is realize that, number one, I have to believe in Jesus of the Bible. The second thing is, you have to know that you're in desperate need of a Savior. You have to understand that you're in desperate need of a Savior. We're dead in our sins, and we deserve judgment. But because of who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross, we can be forgiven. Someone say forgiven. We desperately need Jesus to save us. The next thing I want you guys to understand, when you have a great relationship with God, there are things that tend to, how can I say this, separate you from a beginning level. Let me tell you what I mean by that, and I'm going to explain that. There are a lot of people that know the names of God. There are a lot of people that can say, he's a healer, but is he your healer? And there are a few names that I'm going to list here, and we're at that point again where I want you guys to help me out. If you can identify with some of the things that I'm saying, Make some noise, all right? To know Jesus is to know God. And listen to these names. Yahweh. Listen to this. My Lord God. Elohim. Father God. God the creator. Jehovah Jireh. A lot of people would say the Lord will provide. No, he provides for me. Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals, no, he heals me. Jehovah Shalom, when I'm struggling and I can't get through something and I don't know the answer to it, he's my peace. Jehovah Nisi, God's my banner. When you have a true and a real relationship with God and it's personal to you, he belongs to you. And when he belongs to you, there are certain things you can speak in situations that maybe other people can't speak. By a show of hands, anyone here ever needed to be healed before? Anybody? It's almost everyone in here. Almost everyone in here. It's amazing what happens when we have a true and a real relationship with God. Belief in the way out of sin we must believe in Jesus of the Bible. We must completely surrender like the people of Nineveh and pursue him earnestly. To know Jesus is to know God the Father. To know Jesus is to know God 
the Father. And when we don't know him well, doubt creeps in. Let's continue to read. Let's go back just a little bit. Verse 24, therefore I told you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Such a tough verse to read. But if you know Jesus, you don't have to die in your sins. Verse 25, who are you, they question. Everyone that I've, every, exactly what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus told them. I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true. And when I have heard from, and what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world. This is my favorite part of this passage. They did not know that he was speaking to them about the Father. Here it is. So Jesus said to them, when you lift me up, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you would know that I am he. I want to pause right there for a second. So many of us are blinded by so many different things that Jesus hasn't been lifted in our lives yet. When Jesus is truly lifted, that's when we're able to see. And I'm going to make this personal for a second, and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but in my personal life, I thought I had faith because of my father's and my mother's faith. When you're raised in the church and you're there and you have perfect attendance, not because you want to be there, but because you have to be there, what ends up happening is you have a form of self-righteousness, but you also feel safe because of someone else's faith. And since I was in their shadow, I felt safe and connected to Christ, even though I didn't have a true, real relationship with God for myself. And so many of us, we're blinded. We have blinders on. Because we feel safe and connected, but we really don't have a true, real relationship with God. And if we do, we have to act like it. So for me, it wasn't until I got a chance to leave home and go off to college. And when I had a chance to go off to college, some people would say it was the best thing that ever happened. I sometimes say it was the worst thing that ever happened. Once I got away from church, I was like, I don't want anything to do with church. I don't want anything to do with Bible study, men's group, small group, camps. I'm done with it all. I'm just going to play my sports and go to class. And Jesus, I want you over there on the side. I know you're real. I, I know that you see me. So what I'm going to do is when I need you, I'll call for you. But when I don't need you, leave me alone. And that's how I wanted to live my life. Jesus, I know that you're real. And I feel safe because I know a few Bible verses. But when it comes to actually living for you, I'm not at the point in my life right now where I want to do that. I'd rather have my sin. I wasn't saying that with my mouth, but that's what I was saying with my heart. So Jesus, I want you over there on the sideline. Because of an experience I had, my parents being moved out of the way, it allowed me to be able to see who Jesus really was. It allowed me to have a real connection with Jesus that was outside of them. And so Jesus being raised up on the cross became real in my life. It became more than just something I read in the Bible. It was something that was evident in my life. And I had to have them removed in order to see him. So I'm going to ask you, what's stopping you from truly seeing him? What's stopping you? 
Is it your job? Is it your children? What's stopping you? Is it fear? I say so often, so many people, when they come to church every day or every week, it's almost like they're playing spiritual hopscotch. God, I'm almost ready. I'm getting ready to jump in now. Oh, I'm not ready yet because they're going to talk about me because they know what I did in high school. I'm getting ready to jump in. Oh, God, I don't, I don't feel worthy. I saw someone post something, and it really, really hit me, God, and so now I'm going to shy away from what I know you called me to do. Okay, God, I'm going to jump in next week. No, I made a mistake this week, so now I'm going to jump in the next week. We sit there and we'll play these games with God and, 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 and what we have to realize, we'll never be ready. Jump. Jump. What's stopping you? What's blinding you? We all have blind spots. I actually had a conversation with my dad recently about this. And I told him, I said, Dad, as much as I would like to believe that I was saved, I don't know if I was. It's like, I, I, I don't know if I was. And, if, if, if I, and I feel like if I don't know, I wasn't. That's a tough reality to come to. So what I'm asking you, has Jesus been raised on the cross in your life and it's become real? Has it become real? Or is it something that you still just read? Our response to Jesus. First thing we have to realize that we deserve judgment. By nature, we're children of wrath. And we're dead in our sins without Christ. It's the first thing we have to realize. We are dead in our sins without Christ. Then we have to realize that we're in desperate need of a Savior. Desperate need of a Savior. Verse 28 when you lift up the Son of Man, then you would know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, because I always do what pleases Him. Verse 30 says, and this is always encouraging, because there was a lot of them that didn't believe. But listen to this. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. The real Jesus the Jesus of the Bible, the light of the world, the Son of God, the one that came to save, to set us free, the one that died on the cross for us, the Jesus of the Bible. Do you truly know him? How will you respond to him? How will you respond to him? We just read a few passages where there are some people that didn't want to respond to God the right way, and they chose not to. But there also were some that they responded well, and they decided to follow. So where are you? Jesus being lifted in our lives removes blindness. Has he truly been lifted in your life? And if he has, step into the light. Sometimes we're so fearful of the light because it exposes the things that we don't want exposed. Sometimes we don't want certain things exposed because of what others are going to say. I don't know if I've done this here, but just to drive this point home, I want you guys to listen to this and listen to this carefully. You guys have to help me with this. 
On the count of three, I want each of you to yell out as loud as you can the last sin that you committed. All right? On three. One, two, three. Oh, wow. In the nine o'clock, I, I didn't hear a peep in the nine o'clock crowd. And you know why? Because we're so ashamed of it. So many times, even when we're asking God for forgiveness, this is what we say. God, and forgive me of my sin. Forgive me, for my, forgive me of my sin. We won't even call what it is because we're so embarrassed by it. No, it has a name. Are we that afraid of dragging it to the light? If you truly want to follow Christ, those things that we don't want to drag to the light, we have to drag them there and leave them there. And then once you leave, once you leave them there, Satan can't beat you up with that anymore, and people can't beat you up with that anymore unless you allow them to. Don't be ashamed about where God has brought you from. That's a testimony. You don't live in that house anymore. Step into the light. Here's the last question as I get ready to close. Now that you know who Jesus is, he's our Savior, he's our Redeemer, he's the bread of life, he's our Lord, he's the King of kings, he's the Almighty, he's the Lamb of God, he's the Word, he's our rock, he's I Am, Yahweh, Elohim, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nisi. You know all of these things now. How do you respond to Jesus? And here's my last question along the same lines. What are you going to do with Jesus now that he's right there in front of you? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I've been sitting in chairs like that pretty much my entire life. And I can remember always feeling safe and secure because I felt like I had did God a favor by showing up. And I would use other people that weren't at church as excuses for God to pat me on the back. God, I'm here. Other people aren't here. I showed up. And that's good that you showed up. But now how do you respond to Jesus? And that's extremely challenging. How do you respond do you feel safe and secure where you are or do you know deep down in your heart deep down in your heart that you need to respond well to Christ? And something I had to realize no one's going to do it for me. It was 100% up to me. Don't allow the thoughts and opinions of other people to stop you from having a real relationship with Christ. The real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, the one that's in here, not the made-up God that our culture talks about, the real Jesus. Let us pray. God, we're so thankful for this opportunity, God, to be reminded of who you are. 
And there's so many different names that we can call you. But the one that sums it all up, God, is that you are truly God. I'm asking God, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you to be their Lord and Savior, that they make a decision today to follow you, to completely surrender and pursue you earnestly. Allow them to realize, God, that what you did on the cross was for each and every one of us. And your word says, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. Don't allow us to be blinded, God, and choose to walk in it. Allow us to see you. We're asking that you work through us and allow us to be ambassadors for you. Allow us to make a difference. Allow us to make a difference on our jobs, in our homes, wherever we go. God, we truly love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name I humbly pray. Amen. I want you guys to look at me, and this is the last thing that I would say. What are you going to do with Jesus? That's the million-dollar question. If you don't know him to be your Lord and Savior, there are connectors that are around waiting to talk to you. If you know Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, Ephesians 4.1, walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. And in layman's turn, act like you know him. Be accountable. Be a true ambassador for Christ. Now that Jesus is right in front of us and you know who he is, what are you going to do with him? Thank you for your time.